Hey, are you looking to upgrade your key life areas and evolve to a higher level of existence? To practically harness personal growth and spirituality in a crazy, busy, imperfect world? Then you've come to the right place. My name is Prash and this is Urban Spirituality, the show which uniquely fuses ancient wisdom with contemporary self-growth and spiritual disciplines to deliver value-adding tools, traits, and insights to help you unleash your fullest potential. We always keep it real, featuring authentic, unfiltered dialogue with guests from diverse backgrounds to inspire, entertain, and enlighten all who listen. So get ready for your dose of urban spirituality. Be present, and let's dive in. What's up, guys? I wanted to reach out to you to share a little bit about a very special day in my life, in my calendar, that was yesterday. Mother's Day obviously was Sunday, and the day after was the day, yesterday that is, the day that I actually lost my mother. So the 2nd of April represented my mother's passing away anniversary, and she passed away many years ago, uh, a long time ago. And even to this day, I haven't forgotten the impact that she made on me in the short time that she was on this earth. And despite my leaving early and pass, despite her leaving early and my losing her early, I think it really made an impact in my life. And I guess that's what I wanted to share with all of you over here today. And I know many of you will have celebrated Mother's Day. I'm hoping that many of you had a very pleasant Mother's Day and that it was fulfilling for both you and your beloved, for your mom or somebody who you regard as your mom in your life, because that's so important. And for me, and experiencing what I did, it was uh, a bittersweet affair yesterday, remembering my mom and looking back at what she did for me. And I guess I wanted to just share a little bit because I don't know how many of you, but I certainly have some friends who've lost at least one of their parents. And I don't know if that's you listening in and maybe you can relate to this or if your parents are alive, you may know somebody who's lost their parents as well. But I lost my mom back in 1984. And at that time I was about 13 years old and the, the way it happened the way i lost her the way she kind of left this body left this world was somewhat mystical i suppose see she was a very religious person my mom was a devout hindu she would focus her time and energy looking after her family she passionately loved her family and she really cared for everybody around her and I have one brother, my younger brother and my father, and she was devoted to all of us. She was devoted to us. She was devoted to my grandparents, both sides. And she was a very devoted woman. And part of that devotion came from her religious side, her godly nature. And the day she passed away, she had fulfilled all her household obligations as a, as, as a mother, as a housewife, as somebody who was working part-time. She had finished her day job. She had been out. She had cooked dinner. She had prepared everything for all of us. And she had fulfilled everything that she held herself accountable for. It was all done. And then at six o'clock in the evening, and it was a Tuesday, she 
lied down on the bed right next to my grandmother who was bedridden. And she, therefore she was looking after my grandmom as well, my dad's mother. And she lied down to do mala. So she sat down to chant on beads and there was a kirtan, a spiritual music tape playing, a bhajans were playing in the background and she was chanting on these mala, Swam Nara, Swam Nara, Swam Nara. She was a practitioner of the Swam in our faith. She was chanting. While she was chanting, while the music was going on, and that day was Ekadashi. It was a very auspicious day in the Vedic calendar. So it was a very holy day that occurs. She was chanting. She was praying. The music was going on. She had fulfilled her obligations. And this bright light came in from outside the window. My grandmother recounted the story that a really bright light came through the window. An extremely and unusually bright light just came right through the window. And it kind of beamed down on her. And my grandmother thought for a moment that... She said, you know, in Gujarati, she said she thought God's come to take her. But instead, uh, my mother left her body right like that, just like that. She wasn't feeling well a little. She went to lie down. And within just minutes, she just left. And her soul left her body and she just left. And I came to know the story that evening. I was away. I was out in Leicester. I got back to London. And when I got back to London, um, my father had said, on the phone, you got to come down. Your mom's not well. She's really not well. So I was on a holiday in, in Leicester with some family. And so I got driven down. I was only sort of 13 at the time. And I remember going down. I'm not a religious guy. I wasn't back then for sure. And I remember just praying all the way like, God, please, please make my mother better. Please make my mother better. And I arrived at my house, the door opened and there were Dozens of people filling the whole house, uh, sobs and crying and so much was going on. And my father greeted me to tell me that, look, I'm sorry, mom's gone. Your mother's gone. He said, your mother's dead. She's no longer with us. And my weight dropped. I just felt a great, I was speechless because I prayed all the way that she would be okay, but she wasn't. So it was a really hard time. My brother was there and he came over and we kind of consoled each other a little bit. For some reason, I couldn't cry. That Tears wouldn't come to my eyes. And everybody was trying to hug me and say, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And, you know, the family that was there, they were very loving. They were trying to give me as much comfort as I could. But I was so shocked. I was so in shock by what had happened. I couldn't, I couldn't stop myself from just retreating from everybody. And I ran upstairs. I remember going upstairs and my brother was at the, uh, in the hallway upstairs. And my brother was three years younger than me at the time. He's still three years younger than me. And he said to me, listen, don't worry. I've read this verse. Or I've read a few pages of this book called the Bhagavad Gita. And in the Bhagavad Gita, I read this line that says the soul never dies. So I don't think our mom is dead. I think our mom's just gone somewhere else. And I got to tell you, that for me was the most profound solace giving advice of wisdom that I, I could have ever asked for at that time. To hear my brother tell me, who doesn't even read, he wasn't even into reading, but somehow or other he had found a book 
the Bhagavad Gita in English because my mom had purchased these books from monks who used to come to the door. So she had these books in a cupboard. She would hope that one day we would read these books of ancient Indian wisdom. We were rebellious children. We were not into reading books and spiritual books for sure. We were just into causing trouble and watching the Dukes of Hazard and watching the A-Team. And those of you who are in the 80s, you'll remember all those things, Knight Rider and you know, running around and you know, getting in detention at school. We were troublemakers. And yet my mom used to buy these books in the hope that this wisdom would come day, one day. And how ironic or how synchronicitous that the day she leaves her body, of all the things that anyone could say, of all the books that anybody could quote from, and all the people who could tell me, my 11-year-old brother, my 10-year-old brother tells me that, don't worry, our mom is okay. I think she's fine because she just left her body and she's a soul and she's just moved on with her journey. And that was so powerful, so so magnificently comforting that it carried me for weeks, for months, for years. And I guess that's why I'm sharing with all of you the, the simultaneously tragic because the doctor knew that my mother had heart conditions but they bowed it. My doctor really let us down. Before she passed away, my brother ran to the surgery to find out, hey, uh, my mom's not well. Can you please come over? And he said, just give us some paracetamol. My doctor just recommended my brother give paracetamol. And a 10-year-old boy ran to the surgery and he just said, go give your mom some paracetamol. She'll be fine. 30 minutes later, she left her body. And so it, I, I, there was so much anger and injustice that was welling up in me. Why did my mom get taken away? Why at this age? And that lasted me for a while. It really did. But somehow or other, the wisdom that I got from my brother's mouth, from a book that I hadn't even read called the Bhagavad Gita, just those few lines had such an impact on me. And I think it's changed the direction of my life ever since. It's really changed the way I look at life. It's changed the way I look at people. It's changed the way I deal with people. And it's changed the way I respond to the way I, to things in life. And for me, that was just profound. I think the first thing that I felt was shock. And I just couldn't cry. And then a week later, I started to cry. I got really emotional about it. And I just couldn't believe my mom was gone because... She really was the rock for our family. And she sacrificed a lot for my brother, myself, my dad, my grandparents. And I'm sure if those of you who are tuned in right now, or those of you who will tune in, I'm sure you can relate in some way to a parent that you have, or perhaps a parent that you had, who was similarly sacrificing and giving in their nature, you know? And I think I find that in parents. I think we can all relate to a parent or a grandparent who really sacrificed their own comfort their own needs and wants just to give something to us and my mom was no different she really did and she gave so much to us she gave us wisdom she gave us bhakti bhakti means devotion she tried to teach us devotion to god to spirituality to a higher cause and we didn't really pay attention while she was around and i guess i felt so much anger when she was gone i felt like god's taken her away my mom was 43 when she passed away I lost my mom at 43. My brother was only 10. I was only 13. And I really felt, initially, I just felt so much anger towards God that why did you take my mother away? How dare you take my mother away? She's only 43. 
why would you do that? She's such a, she's such a devotee of yours. She dedicated her life to you and to serving humanity. How could you just rip her out from this earth, rip her from our household and just take her away? How dare you do that to God? And I just became so angry at God. I fucking hated the thought and the sound of God because I just thought he is completely against us. I didn't really care for him. And just that anger and resentment built up. And I carried it for a while. I carried it for quite a while, feeling angry at God, feeling resentful that I lost mom early. And I know my brother felt that pain too. And you know what? The resentment and the anger ended up eating me up. I couldn't be real connected with my dad. I almost kind of held him responsible somehow in some crazy twisted way. You know how our minds are. You know, we take pain and we take grief in different ways. And as a young teenager, I took it in a way that I wanted to blame everybody other than me. I just blamed everybody, blamed God, blamed my dad, blamed people around me that my mom's taken away. How dare you? And I felt such a victim. But you know what? That victim mindset really, really held me back for so long. Playing a victim wasn't helping me. Getting angry at God didn't help me. It just made me more mad at myself. And it wasn't until I discovered the book that my brother was referring to. And I, I remember picking that book up and there was another book called Beyond Birth and Death. It was a small book uh, on yoga and philosophy. And I remember picking it up maybe about a year and a half later, two years later. And I started, sat down and I read it and I started going through the stuff that my brother had shared the night my mom had passed on, that the soul never dies. And a penny dropped, like a penny dropped it. Wait, there is something undeniably true and logically sound about what I'm reading here. There is something beyond this body. There is something that transcends the body, that lives beyond the body, that persists. And that we can call consciousness. We can call it the soul. We can call it the atma. But it is something that stays with us. And it was almost like a penny dropped. And when that penny dropped, when I read that book and when I read Beyond Birth and Death and I compared the two books, the Bhagavad Gita, Beyond Birth and Death, and I, I spent time when I was alone reading that, I had a big eureka. I realized that my mother's leaving her body had nothing to do with me. It was nothing to do with my brother. It was purely her path, her karma, that she was fulfilling, that she was living. She was living through her karma. She was suffering and enjoying the karmic reactions of her past life and her past lives. Whatever credits and goodwill that she had built up in the previous years and whatever bad karma she had performed, she was simply living that out. And therefore her leaving at the age of 43 was nothing to do with us. It was just her time. She had to leave. And when she left, she didn't disappear. The soul just moved to another body. And when I got that, when I got that it's not about me, it's not about what I did or didn't do. It's about what she had to undergo karmically, what she had to do, where she had to go next in her spiritual evolution, that a big weight dropped off my shoulders. It was like 
I felt a massive weight drop off my shoulders because I realized that this is her journey. And I hope that maybe some of you can relate to this and maybe find solace with somebody that you've lost. And if you feel pain and hurt about somebody that you've lost, maybe it's time to recognize that it wasn't about you. It was about them and it was about their journey. And maybe it's time for you to let that guilt go. Maybe it's time for you to stop feeling down. Maybe it's time for you to stop feeling resentful or regretful about what you did or didn't do or how you mistreated that person. And maybe it's time to start living in such a way that you can honor that person's memory. Living in such a way that you can honor that person's spirit, what they did, who they were, how they conducted themselves their character, how they carried themselves. And maybe that's the lesson we need to learn. Maybe we need to learn that in our lives. That we may not be able to turn the clock back and bring back that person that we lost, but we sure as daylight can use our mind, our body, our intellect, and the way we conduct ourselves to make a positive impact on the people who are left behind, the family members who are here, the loved ones who are still here, the friends who are here, the friendships that we've neglected. We have a chance to get that right and honor the person that we lost. And that really hit me because when that hit me, when I realized that this is within my hand, I stopped living in regret. I stopped living in fear that my dad might go. I stopped living in anger towards God and people around me. And I started to realize that I can take control of how I conduct my life and that I can choose to live my life in a way that would honor the mother that I lost, the mother who loved me dearly, the mother who devoted her life to me, my brother, my dad, my family, to my loved ones, my awesome uncles and aunts who are just such incredible human beings, the mother who was loved by them all and equally loved back. I could embody what she was and I can live my life in a way that would honor her. And so I took responsibility. I took responsibility for the way I would live my life. I gave up meat. I was eating meat and my mom was never a keen meat eater. She said, you're going to get bad karma for eating meat. You're causing cruelty to animals. I gave up meat. When I gave up meat, my brother gave up, my dad gave up. I started studying these scriptures, these spiritual books, the Bhagavad Gita, but I was never a religious guy. So I got into philosophical books, Tolstoy, Greek mythology, Emmanuel Kant, and I started filling myself with wisdom that I could equip myself with to better understand what it is that I should be doing in my life. And I think that was the turning point for me. And therefore, I want to share with you a couple of key lessons that I picked up alongside this realization, this spiritual realization. And so another realization is gratitude. Everything that my mom used to do when I was alive I really didn't appreciate the, the food that she cooked lovingly, the way that she looked after us, the clothes that she bought, the way she took us to school and back, everything, every little thing that she used to do, dropping us to our friends, giving us chance to hang out and play with our friends, the sacrifices she made staying up for us when we were unwell. I didn't appreciate that when she was around, but when she passed on and the responsibility of the household came on me and my brother and my dad, and we had to start, start to learn how to cook at a young age, clean the house, do all the domestic work. Um, 
everything that my mom used to do, we started doing. And I think that really brought a sense of gratitude. And so one of the best and most positive lessons I can learn from losing my mom is being grateful for the people who are around you, being grateful for your relatives, for your parents, for your siblings, even though they may annoy the hell out of you, being grateful for these people. Be grateful for them while they're around because when they're gone, there's no point hanging a big picture and putting a big flower garland around it. What's the point? What's the point of doing that? So many people do that, especially in Indian culture. Hang a flower garland around the person who died. Put a big photo up in your house. What's the point? Why not love them when they're alive? Why not respect them? Why not be tolerant for them? Why not forgive them while they're alive? And I guess I learned that. Gratitude was the, one of the biggest lessons I learned from losing my mom. Being grateful for every day, every minute that I had with her. And when I lost her, reminding myself of all the things she did, like going back in time, helped me to reestablish that sense of gratitude. The second thing for me was self-reliance. I learned self-reliance. When I lost her, we had, like I said, we had to do all our own cooking, cleaning, washing, shopping, the whole lot. And it was kind of almost being thrown in at the deep end to learn how to cook, clean, and do everything. And I didn't know how to make I mean, I, I used to have omelets. I didn't even know you needed eggs for omelets. I know this is crazy. I used to make omelets with one time there were no eggs. So I thought, let me just take some milk and um, some chickpea flour because we used to use it to thicken the omelet, chickpea flour. And I just, let me just mix. I got two out of three ingredients. Who needs, who needs eggs? I just combined milk and chickpea flour and put it in a oil, hot oil frying pan. And the thing went like, it just went all over the place. I didn't know. But it taught me self-reliance. It taught me the importance of relying on myself, the importance of not reaching out and asking for help when I haven't tried helping myself. I think that was the big thing. Don't go and ask for help when you haven't tried helping yourself out. And therefore, I developed self-reliance, cultivated the ability to lean on myself. And my brother did the same. And I'm so proud of him. I'm proud of my dad that, you know, he would often just neglect us and leave us so that we were forced to rely on ourselves. And that was such a good lesson. So self-reliance is another lesson I picked up from losing my mom. I think the third lesson that I learned all along this way was self-motivation because my mom was like our biggest cheerleader. She would cheer my dad, my brother, me, and she was such a powerful encourager for everything we did at school, in sports, in everything. And losing her meant we lost our cheerleader. And I felt like we didn't have a cheerleader. My dad wasn't really a cheerleader. He wasn't really hearty. He wasn't really generous with his praise. That it was just not my father's nature. And so I felt like there was no motivator around me. And so I decided if nobody's going to motivate me, I mean, my family were great. My extended, my, my cousins, my uncles, they're awesome. Really, really good. They gave me plenty of encouragement. But when I was alone every day in those four walls, all I had was me, my brother just had himself and my dad. We didn't have that kind of motivational kind of dialogue or connection. So I really had to go inside to motivate myself. And I think that pushed me to read books, to listen to audio lectures. Back in those days, they were audio cassettes. I would listen to audio cassettes, motivational speakers that I started listening to, spiritual saints, anything that I could get my hands on to motivate myself, to feed myself with motivation. And then almost like consume a diet of motivation, chew on it, and then regurgitate or realize 
what kind of good stuff I actually have. And I think hearing all those motivational tapes in those days and going to listen to spiritual teachers helped me to realize that I've got to be my number one fan. I have to be my number one fan, not somebody else. And therefore, I put to you, if you're lacking motivation in your life, maybe it's time you leaned on yourself. Maybe it's time you leaned on you to be your number one fan. Don't wait for your wife to be that. Don't wait for your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your mom, your dad. Don't wait for your work colleague to be your number one fan. Become your own fan. And I don't mean become your own fan with an ego. I don't mean ego-based. Become your own fan with authenticity, with heart. Recognize that it's you. You rely on you and the divine and the divine within you. And when you recognize that you are the controller of your destiny, you can be your own fan. You can motivate yourself. You wake up. You don't you won't need somebody to tell you that you've got to go to gym to stay fit or lose some pounds. You'll do it. You won't need to have somebody tell you that you've got to make it in life and fulfill your missions in life. You'll do it. You won't need somebody to tell you, go find a relationship, get hitched, look after your parents or do this or do that or fulfill this, fulfill that. You'll do it because the motivation will come from inside. You're not going to rely from somebody outside. And if I feel passionate about it, I am. I'm really passionate about this point. Be your own motivator. Take motivational people around you. Surround yourself with people who motivate you, of course. But when those lights go off, when that door closes and you're inside your own room, your own house, you've got to be your own motivator. It's you. It's you on you. It always has been. And I think that was the other big lesson I got from my mom. Be your own motivator. Motivate yourself to go and do good. Do right. Be, be better. Perform better. Live better. Live with more integrity. I think the last thing for me, well, the last two things from me, if you can tolerate all this, with all my ranting, uh, all my speaking, the, the last two things I want to share, the two other big lessons I got is detachment. The other thing I learned from my mom was detachment because I had to cry myself to sleep. I, I would cry myself to sleep for, for months and even for years after that, I would sometimes just wake up in the middle of the night, even into my 30s, I would wake up in the night sometimes and I would cry that, you know, I really miss my mom, you know? Um, I really miss my mom. It was really hard losing her because she was such a loving person. But it taught me detachment. It taught me that nobody is in this world forever. Our parents won't stay forever. The loved ones we want, we have, no matter how much we love them, we can't keep them. We think we can possess the things and the people around us, but we cannot. We are simply passing by and custodians of the things that we have, and we're compassionate companions, if we choose to be, of the people in our lives. That's all we can ever be. So I learned detachment. I learned that we've got to give up that which we care about that nothing will stay with us and nobody will stay with us. And so losing my mom at such a young age taught me detachment. And I didn't tell you this, um, but to rewind back to when I was four, went back to when I was 13, after losing my mom, we did a 
memorial service, we had the funeral rather in Golders Green Crematorium. Some of you will know this in London, if you're in London. And it, when we, in the funeral service at Golders Green Crematorium, I was the one who pressed the button to burn my mother's body. I mean, if there was ever a, if there was ever a more visceral reminder that the body is just a bag of flesh and bones that stays for 60, 70, 80 years, if there was anything to remind us that that precious soul was just here for 43 years and then she was going to go, that was it. Pressing the button and burning my mom's body was profound. I didn't cry. My brother cried. I remember my brother cried a lot. God bless him. I just felt inside a voice saying, I've got to stay strong. I've got to be strong for my dad. I've got to be strong for my brother. I've got to be strong. I cannot cry. Press, you will not cry. And I pressed that button. I, I watched the coffin go in and I saw the fire as the door closed to burn my mom's body. And I'm not saying this to upset you. I'm not saying this to upset you guys, to scare you guys. I'm saying it to remind you, to remind me, to remind all of us that life is so fragile and precious. It is so flickering. It could go at any stage. It can go at any stage. And therefore, to learn the lesson of detachment now, before the loved ones go, learn that lesson that we have to learn to be detached. Detached doesn't mean, and I want to make this point, detachment doesn't mean uncaringness. Detachment doesn't mean coldness. Detachment simply means that you recognize that the time you have with somebody is short, it's finite, it's time bound, and that therefore you want to make the most of the relationships that you have around you. You want to make the most of yourself, giving yourself to the people. If you haven't said, I love you, if you haven't said, I care for you, if you haven't said, I forgive you, if you haven't said, I miss you, if you haven't said, I'm really sorry for what I did in those days, please forgive me. If you haven't said that, or if you're waiting for somebody, that other person to apologize to you, maybe it's time to get detached. Maybe it's time for you to recognize that that person has limited time on this earth, just like you. Maybe it's time to just bury that hatchet, forgive that person, show the love that you ought to, help those people, and recognize that detachment is a gift. And it was for me because I've become detached from a lot of unhealthy things in life that would have otherwise weighed me down from intoxication, alcohol, smoking, cigarettes, excessive partying, you name it, I was able to just send it all away because it just didn't hold value for me. After losing the person I loved and cared for the most in my life, all of those things didn't mean much. I could run to them and I would run to those back in the day and I would hide myself in a little drinking, a little partying, but it didn't help much. It didn't do what it was supposed to do. It didn't do what it said on the label. And so I thought the better lesson, the higher lesson was detachment. And so I picked up detachment. For me, detachment was such an important lesson. And I therefore I put to you, learn to be detached. Learn to give up something that you have in your life that you don't need. Learn to give up an apology. If you're waiting for an apology, if you're waiting for some sort of response, or if you're waiting for other people to do certain things and serve you, forget about it. I put to you, maybe said, get detached. Forget about it. Don't hold that expectation. The more you become detached from material things and the need for others to please you, the more you become self-reliant. And the more you become self-reliant, the more you become self-realized because self-realization follows self-reliance. And when self-realization happens, 
you don't have to wait for somebody else to fill your life. You don't have to wait for somebody else to come and tell you you're amazing. You realize that. You realize that you're the architect of your own destiny. That was massive for me, man. That was massive. I'm going to give you one more because there was one other thing. That's compassion. The amount of caring, kindness, and compassion that my mother showed and demonstrated to everybody who knew her in the 43 short years of her life on this earth set such a powerful ripple through my whole extended family from my incredibly talented and kind-hearted cousins, uncles, aunts, everybody around us. They learned the value of compassion and caring from my mom. In some way, their lives were impacted and I was no different. And so I think the other big lesson I learned was to care, to, to care for others, not just my family, but to care for the people around me, to give a damn, to forgive where forgiveness wasn't needed or where forgiveness was hard to give, to care for somebody even though they didn't deserve it, to show kindness to somebody when they really needed it and nobody else was. And to give yourself to somebody, to give your, something of yourself to help somebody when they didn't even deserve it or when they least expected it. And therefore, compassion and caring. I think I've, I took that on board at a young age because I remember going to college and I would take all these Indian sweets. I used to make barfi at home, if any of you know what barfi is. And I used to take these Indian sweets. I would take them to my college, Greenall College here in Northwest London. And I would feed everybody because I thought if my mom was alive, she would make sweets and she'd feed everybody. So I would just take sweets to college. I'd make them at home with love. I'd just give them out randomly to people. I remember doing that at university. Then I started singing and playing and doing music and I would just sing for people and just try and bring wisdom. Then I got into philosophy and personal development and then I would give talks at university around the Vedic society. So we were giving talks on wisdom and motivation back when I was in my uni days because I thought that I should give what I have to others. And I really owe that to my mom. I think my mom really instilled that in me, my brother, my whole family. And therefore, if there is a gift that I would want to share with you, it is the gift of compassion. It is the gift of kindness. It's the gift of giving yourself and forgiving yourself. I'll say that again. The gift of giving yourself to others and the gift of forgiving yourself to yourself. To forgive yourself for the things that you didn't do for that person who is no longer there. Or to forgive yourself for the things that you did wrong to somebody who's still alive and just to give of yourself to those people who you know and those people you don't. That's, what, that's why I created Mantra Therapy. That's why I created this urban spirituality mantra therapy thing because I wanted to give, I wanted to care, I wanted to share. And I want others to give and others to care and share because if we do this, each one of us, something powerful will happen in your life, in the life of other people, in the lives of those you know. Each day, each week, if we can give something of ourselves and show kindness and forgive and watch this thing, this weapon right here, this tongue, that is the most dangerous muscle we have because that tongue can destroy confidence. It can instill it and it can destroy it. It can hurt people and cut them like a knife. And yet that tongue, that same tongue can heal people magically. So I say we should care, give compassion and be kind. And therefore, these, with these lessons, spiritual wisdom, recognition that there is life beyond this 
existence that the soul transcends the soul lives on it is an eternal pure spark of energy antimatter as the quantum physicists will call it pure antimatter that exists and permeates this body that moves beyond recognizing that my mom is eternal you're eternal i'm eternal we're all eternal we'll never die we'll simply leave this caging recognizing that recognizing the gift of gratitude waking up and thinking about my mom and realizing all the good things that she did and bringing them back almost like an old vhs videotape that i play back in my mind and think of the great stuff my mom did i offer that to you you could do that for somebody in your life offer gratitude to the people around you give gratitude to the people around you self-reliance becoming absolutely reliant on yourself don't wait for somebody to give you something don't expect stuff so much expect less do more yourself i think that was massive for me i've become so self-reliant and i'm proud i can cook great dishes i'm great in the housework department people joke at me say i wear the apron i don't care i don't care because i do this myself i'm happy with everything i'm really well house trained my partner will attest to that she'll say that self-motivation motivating yourself so that you're your number one fan don't wait for somebody to tell you you're great. Recognize the greatness in you and then go and be great out there. Detachment, recognizing that we have 60 or 70 years in this bag of blood, flesh and bones and then we're gone. Loving people crazily even though they don't deserve it. Whilst they're here, knowing that we've got to give them up. Positive detachment and detachment from material things. One by one, bit by bit. And last but not least, compassion, giving compassion where it's not even due, throwing seeds of goodness where seeds of goodness shouldn't even grow, giving compassion to people who least expect it and forgiving yourself. Those are my lessons to you. I just wanted to share this just so soon after Mother's Day, having my mom's anniversary just yesterday. I hope these gifts and wisdom may move you or touch you in some way. I really hope they are valuable, but I'm just sharing that's all I got to say. Thanks for being with me, guys. You've stayed with me till this end. I'm grateful. Thank you for being a companion to me. I offer my heart and my compassion to you. And I'll speak to you again soon. I'll share more on the podcast, on the Urban Spirituality Podcast. I'll put some of this stuff up. Go check it out. Listen to some of these episodes because that is my giving back to you. Interviewing people with their own wisdom, with their own experiences, with their own walks of life life lessons and bringing those people to you that's what we're trying to do through urban spirituality through our podcasts go listen share care and just be you because you are your number one fan the rest of us will just watch you shine your light hey folks thanks so much for listening i really hope you enjoyed this episode and as with all our episodes found something to inform, inspire, and empower you in your personal and spiritual journeys in life. As always, feel free to leave a little love through your ratings and comments, subscribe, and share it with those you care about. And take your personal and spiritual evolution to the next level by joining us on one of our unique events, workshops, or retreats, or taking advantage of our personal and professional coaching packages. Find out more about us at mantratherapy.com. .co.uk. I'm your host, Prash K. This is Urban Spirituality, and we will catch you on the next episode.